Well, as we approach American Thanksgiving, we consider if the playoffs started today, there'd be a few surprises in who wouldn't be making the dance. And is it ever okay to spit during a sports game? That's after Washington Capitals' Garnet Hathaway was ejected last night for doing so. The Kings' Drew Doughty continues to be hated in Vancouver after his A Team Like That comments. Add that to the list as well as Calgary. And when should refs use common sense and not just the rule book? We'll hear how NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman's responded after the whistle wasn't blown when Avalanche's Calvert took a hit to the face during play. Welcome to episode nine of series two of NHL Fans from Afar. Joining me today is Rob McGregor. You're down south somewhere, aren't you, Rob? Yeah, I'm in uh, northern Cambridgeshire. So. Northern Cambridgeshire. Anything that's like below Birmingham is uh, south in my head, really. <laughs> Anything above Watford is considered the north, isn't it, as well? So. <laughs> well, in that case, then, a man who's up north with me <laughs> is Andy Giddings. Where are you? I'm in the, I'm in in the Midlands. That's <laughs> kind of in between. I'm in Shropshire, that's right, yeah. Uh, at my home. I mean, some people would say that you're almost Welsh, really. Yes, very <laughs> close to being Welsh, but not actually. <laughs> good, guys, it's good to have you back. Um, some really uh, interesting topics for us to um, discuss today. Really quite significant talking points. And, um, you know, we've kind of got to that point in the season, I think, where things start matter mattering it's not you can't just kind of shake off the it's the start of the season it's only been a couple of games this is the point isn't it where people compare that that date of american thanksgiving to um this is where the kind of the feel of the teams are starting to show who's doing well who's not doing so great i mean I, i'm i'm struggling here to think of any positive words to talk about the toronto maple leafs <laughs> Um, and also just another kick in the teeth for me was that I finally lost uh, a week on my fantasy um, team as well. So I am, yeah, and I, I unfortunately it was Adam who was on the podcast last week who beat me. So it's been a bad week. Uh, how have your weeks been? Oh, I'm happy as Larry. The Islanders are uh, they 14 game point streak now, so I'm not going to complain. I think I'm pretty much where I thought I'd be. We, we, we did well in October, done badly in November. Same as always. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, my only saving grace for Toronto Maple Leafs is that we're above Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to hold on to that for as long as I possibly can. Um, <laughs> and uh, thanks to a couple of people, Tom and Steve sent uh, that Leafs fan. Um, uh, did you see like the... the gift that was going around social media of this there's like three Leafs fans sat watching the game on Saturday and the one of them kind of pulls up the phone to take a selfie and the camera's on them and they all smile but as soon as the selfie's taken the guy in the middle wearing the Leafs hat his face just drops immediately oh. like he's just put <laughs> on the lad, smile yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god poor guy I wonder if anyone's done an interview with him and um He's I become... think Steve Dangle may have either got in touch with him somehow. I think it was I think the girl taking the photo was his sister. I think he got in touch with them via Instagram or some such. I think Steve did. It's, it's just poor guy, poor guy, because it was <laughs> we're just watching, you know, as the numbers go up on the retweets and the likes. It was just like... <laughs> it's only a young lad as well, isn't it? Like 15, 16, I think. So. Yeah, poor guy. Oh, well, so the let... last Maple Leafs fan that went viral like that was Dark Guy, and he basically got jobs out of just turning up at a game he in did. face paint with an unlit cigarette in his mouth. So this kid's going to be general manager of the Maple Leafs by what December fifth? <laughs> oh God! Or coach, coach at least? I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, so is the head coach available? Is that position available yet? I mean, it can't be far. But is it Spurs? If he holds out, the Maple Leafs might, <laughs> might come available. Yeah. 
Ouch. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> so let's just look at the, the, the situation right now. If the playoffs started today, interestingly, Toronto and San Jose would be out. Mm-hmm. Um, in would be St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado, Jets, Oilers, Dallas, Coyotes... Sorry, the Coyotes and the Canucks, Caps, Philly, Islanders, Carolina, Boston, Penguins, uh, and the Flanthers, and the Habs. <laughs> I put has here, not Habs. I was like, Ooh, what team is that? The Habs, I'm guessing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, are you any any of you surprised by the the people who are in that list at the moment and who's not? I'm sort of surprised the Oilers have kept it going. But, you know, in some ways, there's no reason why they shouldn't do, as long as they keep you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid fit. Um, but yeah. they just seem to be going on an incredible run that continues and continues. Well, Pacific, the top of the Pacific at the moment is Oilers, Arizona and Canucks. Mm. I mean, who saw that? Yeah. Not many people. No, the, the, the three <laughs> other ones, the ones you thought from last season would do well, I just have struggled a bit, haven't they? I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are not that far off, but the Sharks especially are really disappointed, don't they? Well... When you start to look a little bit deeper, Sharks had just a really bad start, didn't they? But they're back on it now. I mean, good streaks um, looking over the standings at the moment. Dallas have won three, Islanders and Carolina obviously as well. Chicago are on a four-win streak and then San Jose are on a six-win streak. Wow. So that's an incredible turnaround. And I was talking last week about what's really helped San Jose is they've had a whole rack of games just at home. Mm. Something like six games in a row were in home, at home. So that's obviously made the difference. And what's happened at Calgary as well? They're not where they were. They've lost three there. You know what? They, 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 Calgary's the one that's caught my eye a little bit the last few days because they've not played great this year compared to last year. And I think they did they finish top of the West or second in the West? A little slow out the gate this year. And now we're getting all, all the hot takes are coming out. They should trade Johnny Grudrow was the one I saw yesterday. And it's you look and you're just it it blows my mind that people turn on the core in this way. And it's kind of at the point where I'm wondering, maybe just Bill Peters isn't a good coach or a good coach for that group. Hmm. And I just I'm struggling with that one a bit. I they've not been great, but this is largely the same team as last year, give or take. It's not you know, it's not a huge leap from one year to the next. What's what isn't working there? I don't think it's the team personally. I just don't think Bill Peters is very good. So was it <laughs> was it overachieving last season then, or was it underachieving this season, or was it somewhere in between? I think in the team they've got, I think. Uh, uh, granted, this is on paper and all that kind of air quotes, but I think they've got a good team. And, and Dave Riddich emerged last season as a good goaltender. Giordano's got Norris. TJ Brody, granted, is injured at the moment, but he's developed into at least a good NHL defenseman. Monaghan, Godreau, you know, the whole thing with Neil and Lucic, whatever. But, you know, that's that's a good team in theory. Mm. And Matthew Kachuk, who I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about as well. It's something isn't quite clicking for them. But they're not the only team. I mean, Claire mentioned two or three others, at least there, who've had slow starts to the year. Mm. Well, I've got a clip, actually, of uh, Matthew Kachuk talking. Uh, this is after that um, the second shutout. Um, this one, the 6-0 against Vegas. Um, and he is just basically saying... Well, he's just expressing the emotion of where the team's at at the moment. Let's just have a listen. No, it's it's disgusting. It's 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 bad. It's bad right now. It's we need to we need to to change this around. Maybe going home for one game can do this and spark us going into this road trip. But uh, oh, something's got to change here. We we got to get back to uh, to the old us and and get out of this little funk we have here because this is this is not fun. Um, it's not fun right now. So uh, you know, it's when we're playing our best. It's 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 fun to come to the ring play with the guys and and uh this this last little stretch we've struggled and it's it's not fun being down in games and it's not fun leaving your goalie out to dry like that and and uh it seems like we've uh, we've done that a little bit too much here but uh you know our we had same with those chances we have some of those chances and um they can go in but the difference was um 
you know, they, they probably outworked us and outplayed us tonight, but it's, it's, it's getting a little bit older now. Do you know what I kind of quite like about that is he's just so got so much more emotion about him. What was really frustrating me with the Leafs really is where is the hunger? And like Matthew Kudruk has again has been in the um, in the news this week, hasn't he? Because there was that clash that he had with who was it? There was a bit of a brawl. Wasn't come, there? Yeah, that might yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 at least this guy's showing emotion, you know. And sometimes that, I get annoyed with the Toronto Maple Leafs that it's just all. Is that a product of the marketplace, though, Claire? Because. Let's be honest, the microscope in Toronto is just ridiculous. Hmm. So, you know, guys like John Tavares have never been that way. Ever since he entered the league, even before he was drafted, he was always quite, you know, on the level, I guess, for lack of a better term. But other guys, I mean, Matthews, again, the same. They're, in interviews at least, they're just not that outlandish. They're not that outspoken. Kachuk has done it before. He's shown a bit of vibrancy and personality in good times and now bad. Whereas the Maple Leafs, they play in such a, a, a boiling cauldron of fire mm. in Toronto that things are, are misconstrued so easily. I mean, look at the, the relationship with Phil Kessel in the marketplace and just how that, or how messy that was by the end of the time he was traded to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's no wonder some of these guys would rather just, just stick to the cliches, get through the interview, and then kind of move on mm. because you say the wrong thing there, you could just get crucified. And it's it's probably not worth it sometimes. Even I mean, the most riskiest of post-game interviews was always Garrett Sparks. I never knew what he was going to say. I think I talked about that, that <laughs> on the podcast last year. It was always like, oh, where's this going? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, he got himself in trouble a few times, didn't he? Off ice. Um, yeah, that's just Sparks. I think he, he's a guy with personality he's not the first guy to to be like that i mean ben you, you listen to ben scriven's talk if, if you want another you know again a goaltender who's the backup at the maple leafs who's no longer well sparks might come back into the league but you know, they don't often like personality especially from the backup goalie mm. <laughs> and then you know we kind of decry the lack of personality it's difficult you can't go both ways yeah. and i take the point because you know, Sparks is sometimes honest to a fault, <laughs> but equally, we can't complain when we then get cliched churned out interviews. Well, then in that case, mm-hmm. let's look at people who are showing a lot of emotion, be it perceived as good or bad. Andy, something you wanted to bring in um, was the Drew Doughty situation. Um which you described in your message to me as all-round stupidity <laughs> of a team like that. So Drew Doughty is obviously someone who's his public enemy number one in many places. Um, in Calgary in October, I mean, it, it was it was brilliant. I read this one article, actually, and I went and found it today where um, I love the way it was written. So this is what happened in October, okay, to set the scene. Um, the long-term uh, LA Kings defenseman looked like a wrestling villain after scoring an overtime goal against the Calgary Flames on Tuesday, slamming the glass and making a crotch-chop gesture towards Flames fans in a wild celebration. It appears Doughty is shouting, suck my mm, at the fans, <laughs> as he performed the gesture made famous by WWE's Degeneration X, and then put his hand to his ear as Hulk Hogan famously used to. I mean, talk about a pantomime villain. <laughs> so now bring us up to speed. What's happening? What's he doing to pee the Vancouver Canucks fans off now? Oh, well, this is a little while ago, but um, it was after we beat them 8 2. Let's just start with that. Uh, and afterwards, he said, um, It's just embarrassing. It's just, I, I mean, a team like that should not be beating a team like ours 8 2. There's actually no way he, he did go on a bit, but that's that's the basis of it. Anyway, this, this. But apparently, you can buy T-shirts. Yeah, now, can't you? <laughs> it, it seems to have sort of um, got to some of the uh, Canucks players. Um, the captain Bo Horvat mentioned it and said it sort of um, motivated him. And the Canucks made a thing of it. The local media made a thing of it. Yeah, like you say, you can get the T-shirts with um, a team like that on it. Um, Doughty tried to backtrack a little bit and said, well, that's not what I meant. What I meant was um, they're a young team, we're an old team, we we shouldn't be losing a a veteran 
team like ours should be losing to a, a young team like theirs. But I think we know what he meant. But I think the problem for me is... Um, unlike the Hurricanes last season, where you know they could have a bit of fun with um, a, a bunch of jerks, and, and no one could prove they were a bunch of jerks. Uh, unfortunately for us, since then we've not gone on a great run. We're, we're losing quite a few games, and there's a danger, I think, that um, do you start to look like we are a team like that? In which case, it kind of backfires on you a bit. It doesn't quite work. Because <laughs> I think we've uh, last since uh, the start of November, we've we've lost four in regulation lost another three in overtime and only won two so you know it's, it's not looking quite so clever with that catchphrase yeah you don't want to be wearing that t-shirt do you it's just it's uh it's tempting fate yeah it is a bit isn't it and it's it might motivate the players in which case great it, you know it's something you can stick up in the dressing room wall but but otherwise just let it go move on <laughs> There's something you picked out uh, on our Slack group, actually, um, was you put a post about at one point Canucks were uh, the most, had the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup or something. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's no longer the case. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was uh, October for some reason just seems to be a good month for us at the moment. It was the same last season as well. We, you know, we started off great. That was when Elias Patterson was scoring all those goals. And then you hit November, December, and it just starts to tail off a bit. Last season, we mm. could point to a few injuries. I think this season, I'm not so sure. There's um, a few players out, but not ones you think they're so key. They should make a difference. So Canucks have also been in um, the the spotlight, not necessarily for your team, but you were involved in a, an incident or your team was during your game. That's terribly... I've worded that the worst way possible. <laughs> but basically, the Canucks-Avalanche's um, game oh, yeah. was in the spotlight this weekend. And it's been a major talking point. And in fact, a couple of people tweeted and sent me messages saying, this is what we should be talking about on this week's podcast. Um, a, a shocking situation where um, the play potentially should have been called to a stop because Calvert goes down and I mean it's it's kind of just crazy to even describe really isn't it a player is down on the ice he's been hit in the face apparently you could see blood I couldn't see blood but then you when you're watching on tv you don't get to see everything anyway and then the fact that your player was it Elias Pedersen I think mm-hmm even kind of paused and thought, oh, that looks bad. But the refs didn't and the play continued. Yeah. Um, and this has kind of caused quite a lot of debate um, on social media. Um, it's also um, generated response as well uh, from the NHL. Um, but, I mean, were you watching that mm. game, Andy? Yeah, basically, uh, Culvert's slid to try and block a shot from Patterson. Um, it was pretty much point-blank range, hit him in the back of the head, on the helmet, but still point-blank range, a you know, full-strength shot. Um, Pettersson, as you said, I think realised straight away that it wasn't good. Um, Calvert tried to get up, then came back down again. But the the refs didn't stop it. The, um, the, players, the other players all carried on, and it resulted in a goal for the Canucks. So, you know, made it even worse uh, for, for Avalanche. Um, I don't know. I mean, I... I can see the point of view that you, you play to the whistle, if you like. You, you, you do what the refs say, and if the refs don't stop the game, you carry on playing. But I, I think, I'm not sure, I mean, if I was a player, I might be thinking, oh, just stop it, because he could be seriously hurt here. Well, the, the, I mean, Rob, we should probably kind of explain mm-hmm. what the actual rules say with this, because... Um, yes. You know the. I wrote the, this down in preparation. <laughs> yeah, because because the Canucks had possession, and mm-hmm. and you know, would it have been a bit more gentlemanly of one of the Canucks players to just pass the puck over to someone in the Avalanche so the play could be dead, or just boot it over the freaking the the plexi so that play has to stop? Sure, I, I mean. The, the rule is, it's rule eight, it's in the NHL rule book, it's available publicly for anybody to read. So the actual wording is, when a player is injured that he cannot continue play or go to his bench, the play should not be stopped until the injured player's team has secured control of the puck. As you mentioned, Claire, the Canucks are in control of the puck. So if the player's team is in control of the puck at the time of the injury, play should be stopped immediately unless his team is in a scoring position. Fair enough, if the Avs were about to score, maybe they let it slide because they're going to score a goal, right? So 
as you said, maybe the Canucks could have done the, should we call it the gentlemanly thing and surrender possession. But the key part in this for, for me is this next line. In the case where it is obvious that a player has sustained a serious injury, the referee and or linesman may stop play immediately. And this is that's the key part for me because I think you give it a beat or two, a couple of seconds, just to see if Calvert gets up under his own steam. And then surely you know he's been hit head area, right? I mean, you may not have seen specifically that it was the back of the helmet. I mean, we've had the benefit of replays and things like that. But if a guy stays down after taking a blow up high like that and he continues to stay down several seconds later and the opposition are pointing out that he's still on the ice i think the officials whiffed on this one mm-hmm. for me that they they should have blown play dead and stopped but the objection seems to be what if he was faking it and that blows my mind that people are more concerned that somebody might try and dupe them this isn't football this, well, yeah, this is right. Not no, exactly. But... Soccer, sorry, not football, right. but soccer. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, if a player is going to stoop to that level and try and feign injury or embellish something, well, then maybe they need to either amend the rules or say to the officials, call it as an embellishment, call it as unsportsmanlike conduct. Coaches get a frigging double minor if their coach's challenge is incorrect. It's not beyond the wit of the NHL to say if somebody feigns injury in a situation like that, then it's a double minor. Uh, but, you know, surely safety has to be paramount in that situation. You have to say, right, this guy's been hit. We've given him a second to see if he catches his breath or whatever and gets up. He hasn't blow it dead. I don't care what situation it is. I don't care who's got the puck, mm. whether they're about to score. This guy's been hit in a, a serious area or, or what could be a serious injury based on where he's hit. We blow the whistle and check on him. I've if got... he's feigning it, it's a penalty. If he's not, thank God we stopped and checked on him because it could have been. Yeah, I've got a couple of comments and and I've also, um, Gary Bettman has responded to this today. So we'll play that clip in a second. But what I also just want to do, Rob, just to kind of put a bit of context on Matt Calvert as a player, you know, from what I understand, he's not a wallflower. Um, flower. He's described as a pretty gutsy, hard guy. So for a player like him to remain on the ice, that's also got a kind of, kind of spike a little bit of a. Oh, that's not normally like him. Right, and I think that's the case for ninety nine point nine nine, probably a hundred percent of NHL players. There will be one or two who may go down more easily if they feel a stick tugging at their shorts, try and draw a hooking penalty. But I think in situations like that, from trying to block a shot, if they can get up, guys are getting up to continue their shift because it's a defensive assignment. You know, they're trying to keep the puck out of their net. I think the very clear thing the NHL. I think the very clear thing for me was he got up, stumbled, fell back down again. He he was obviously he did he hurt his head in that injury, in that incident there. So yeah. Should have been spotted. Yeah. I've obviously only watched the highlights, but Andy, you watched the game. So once play finished, I mean, how long was there a lot of debate that went on? You know, were there, was there a lot of toing and froing between the coaches with the refs? I mean, what what kind of happened afterwards? Yeah, it was quite near the end of the game. I think it was in the last, I don't know, it was certainly the last five minutes of the game. So there wasn't very much time to debate it anyway, but you could see the uh, the Avalanche bench wasn't very happy with it. And that continued after the game as well. You could see them talking to the refs after the game. Um, I mean, especially as it turned out, as I said, we scored and then we scored again within a couple of minutes um, to take the game to overtime. So it's, it's one of those things that actually makes a difference to uh, to league standings. Um, I'm not sure what went on after that. Um, I, I do know there's a lot of you know, Canucks fans as well were also saying afterwards, I'm not sure that the right thing was done there. And, and you know, I've even questioned whether our players should have stopped the game, as you said. Mm. So um, Steve uh, Edwards, who is Avalanche's fan, on his tweets to us, he put, blood can clearly be seen. That for me is an immediate stoppage. Someone is going to get very seriously hurt with the way this rule is currently being interpreted and implemented. Um, Matt, the Dallas fan, um, also responded saying, the problem is the rule leaves it open to the ref's interpretation of seriously injured. It was the same with Bishop in the playoffs last year. Same thing happened because we didn't get the puck. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. Let me just see if I can play you what Gary Bettman said. It's only literally come out this afternoon. 
um, just short clip. He was talking about CBA and all kinds of different things, but he was asked the question about this particular incident. So let's have a listen. Generally, it's applied with common sense, and that's what we encourage the officials to do. And obviously, if a player is in, in real distress on the ice, the officials need to react for it. But those are tough situations to be in, to evaluate in real time. Uh, but we're going to continue to focus on that. We'll probably discuss further whether or not the rule needs to be modified, or we just need the officials to make sure they're more comfortable using common sense. Because what you don't want is in this it, this wasn't the case in, with the Colorado situation you don't want it being used for gamesmanship where a game is stopped needlessly having said that any time a player's in distress the officials know they need to stop the game yeah um that gamesmanship it, line kills me it's a very it's just, safe it's, statement isn't oh, it geez, it's just this fear that somebody might try and dupe you yeah that <laughs> Like there's that slim possibility some chump might try and do that, but it, Calvert was clearly in distress. There was the word. That's the perfect word. He, he was not right. He, you know, as Andy said, he looked like he tried to get to his feet. He couldn't. He was down. He was down. And time is ticking by, and he's still there. There's players from both teams pointing it out, and he's ah. Uh, at that stage as well, it was 4-2. So it wasn't like it was, you know, dying seconds and it could be an equaliser. Mm. That, that was yeah. still some way off. So, yeah. I, I mean, Bet Batman was right. It's it's open to interpretation. Officials are humans too. Mm. And they, you know, there will be human errors here. And there it's, you know, quite marginal offsides can be missed and this and that. And, you know, it's why teams always think their guy was hooked, but they never hook the opposition and things like that. It's it's human nature, but I just think this was a human error on their part. I hate to frame it that way, but it's probably the way to put it, given the language I've just used. Mm. And you would hope moving forward they, that the NHL officials will err on the side of caution because mm. I'd rather that than see some guy get brained with the puck and have suffer a serious head injury and there's a delay in... in getting treatment to him. Actually, I haven't even seen uh, an update on Calvert, how he's doing. I just knew that he was out of the game since, but I've not seen any news reports, so that's uh, one to watch out for over the next few days, I guess. Um, the other thing, actually, I, I shared it in our Slack group and, and on Twitter about The Athletic did a, a great article about coaches' challenges. They went quite deep into working out which coaches were um, most successful in their challenges um, since this new system was introduced a few years ago. And uh, Blas, Blashill, Blaze, oh, I can never say his name. Jeff Blashill. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mike Sullivan were the most successful. It used to be Mike Babcock, but not anymore. Um, but it was really interesting just talking about how the coach's challenge continues to evolve. And actually listening to some of the various debates on different hockey podcasts, some of them were saying whether in this in incident... Could you have a coach that could throw a flag on the ice or something like that, which forces um, the ref to call the whistle? Do you know what I mean? Is there a, what what power would they have in calling something like this? I don't know how that would work, and that could be used tactically as well. Mm. I think the NHL would shy away from anybody throwing anything on the ice. <laughs> Not an octopus. Come um, on. Well, no, I mean during a game. I mean that's that's pre-game, and even then they didn't particularly like the octopus being chucked on the ice. I mean that's just messy, isn't it? it really. Is. Though it might be a few years before we see the Red Wings back in the playoffs. So, <laughs> ouch, might oh. be a might be a while to see Toronto in the playoffs at this rate as well. Oh, they'll make it. They'll get in. Ah, oh, um, okay. Another subject which has come around, which I can't even believe that we're even going to discuss this. I mean, from someone who is in their twenties or thirties, let alone. I don't know, someone who is two years old, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. So I'm already stating my opinion, but I've phrased it as the question of, is it ever okay to spit at someone during a sports game? Yes, I mean, yes. It... No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> because that is what happened in a Washington Capitals game last night. 
I, I mean, what? It was Anaheim Ducks versus Washington Capitals. I mean, why anyone is getting so angry over the Anaheim Ducks? <laughs> Lord knows right now. But, I mean, it was a huge brawl. It was very messy. There was lots of people going around. And then I've watched the clip slow down, which is even more disgusting than watching oh. it fast. <laughs> and, um, and Anaheim Ducks shared it on their Twitter as well. Um, here's what the penalty f- was for. He's obviously going to get uh, reprimanded in some way. Um, but, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard of this before, Rob, to be honest. Is this... What? <laughs> no, uh, a comparable did not spring to mind. <laughs> um, there was the Brad Marchand licking thing and, and all that stuff, but I can't, off the top of my head, recall another spitting incident prior to this one there may have been one i'm just forgetting it no doubt somebody will tweet us and tell us but no is it acceptable no it's gross it's absolutely gross like what i mean this whole situation hell? yeah um, the thing is right there's this there's two things in this clash i, I, I clash is probably a, a too soft a term but, but i'll use that two things that i didn't especially like hathaway has been restrained by the officials and Eric Gabranson appears to sucker punch him. And then Hathaway spits at him. Now, neither they don't conflate one with the other. Don't think I'm trying to mitigate one with the other because I'm not. They're both crappy things to do. The sucker punch when the other guy's being restrained is just cheap. And the spitting is just gross. It's hell. I mean, it's a slim chance thing, but it's, you know, diseases get passed around that way. And, it, and it's just gross. As you said, Clay, if, you know, if small children do this, they are told off and sent to the naughty step. It's a stupid... You know, you know what's even more stupider than biting? It's possibly... Well, it depends. If you're biting a glove or compared to a hand, then, you, you know, we're sort of dealing in shades of very murky water. <laughs> but it's gross. Just don't do it. I mean, Hathaway's got a, a hearing on Wednesday, so by the time people listen to this he may have already been fined or suspended or whatever but and what do we think gross. happens in this kind of incident is it games are we talking like 10 games oh, or something because i would be very surprised if it was that high he may get do you know what if he got one or two i wouldn't be surprised if he was given the maximum fine permissible under the cba i wouldn't be surprised either i don't really know very much about him as a player like I mean, I've never heard of him. I have to be honest. It's like, is he is he a minor in uh, the Capitals team? I mean, he's got two goals and seven points in twenty three games. So, I think it's fair to say he's a depth guy. He's played just under two hundred career games, and you know, he's twenty seven. He's twenty seven. Twenty seven years, years old. old. So you, I mean, he said, you know, it's heat at the moment. Bloody bloody blah, but. Yeah, fine, things happen in the heat at the moment, but not that. I bet his mother's ashamed of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I think this is his first year in the capital, so I guess it's one way to uh, introduce yourself to your new fan base. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's gross. Just don't do it. It's it gross. really is, isn't it? I mean, like, what the heck? And and also, he's American as well, so, you know, he understands the culture and, like, just... I mean, I think kind of don't spit is a universal <laughs> uh, rule of thumb, right? It's just... Yeah. I think the interesting thing for me in terms of a penalty is nobody was hurt. And does that have any sort of bearing on potential penalties, you know, sort of in terms of matches missed? I mean, yes, it could have picked up a nasty cold or something, but um, nobody's actually... Injured. I mean, that's, that's partly why I didn't like the sucker punch, because, mm. again, the percentage chance of injury is small, but... You know, you could break somebody's nose. You could give them a head injury. It's just like there's no need in that situation. There was no need for that action from Cabranson, and there was definitely no need from that for that response from Hathaway. So, mm. but like I said, because of it's like Andy alludes to, no one really got hurt. It was just really disgusting. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they suspended him for a game or two. Equally, I wouldn't be surprised if they fine him and then basically say, "Do not darken our door again, otherwise we will." drop the band hammer on you as a repeat offender of some sort. What have Washington Capitals said about this? And did he I, did he comment in it in, in a post-game interview then as well? Yeah, he's apologised. I haven't seen the full... I just saw it in passing mm. this morning and I'm just trying to quickly waffle and see if I can find it. Yeah, uh, 
the other thing I was trying to look at as well, um, do you remember a few weeks ago, uh, Vegas Golden Knights fella Valentin Zykov was suspended for drugs tests. Um, I was trying to and work he lied out. about it. <laughs> I was trying to work out whether he's actually returned to Vegas um, team or mm, whether don't think so. they've released him. It's an elite prospect. He's still showing as part of the team, but just showing as suspended. So, you know, you wonder what the future of these people is because capitals are on such a tear away at the moment that they don't need these kind of stories in their headlines do they? they don't need these people no i think that the vegas and the golden knights pretty much washed their hands of him didn't they when these um yeah i think so so because he lied i think that was the thing mm. and mm. but you know there's 31 teams 82 games thousands of players hundreds of players whatever it is and Odd things are going to happen in the, they are going to happen in the heat at the moment. You, you, it's but it's a zero point zero one percent type occurrence, right? How many games have been played and how many instances like like this where somebody's bad at somewhere else have we had? And if it, I can, I can't think, I can't think of any off the top of my head. There probably have been odd incidents, but it's such a tiny percentage. But if they didn't, what would, we, what would we talk about though if we didn't happen? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I can't see what Washington Capitals have said as it stands at the moment, but here's what some of you guys have said. Um, Tom Parker, the Oilers fan, not only unacceptable in sport, but unacceptable full stop. Um, and all beard, no teeth hockey says, whatever he gets from the league, the league will not stand by that. Absolutely no place in any sport for this nonsense. It's a fair, fair comment, isn't it? It's just... What the heck? But it's interesting that you set some context, Rob, um, about what was happening with the linesman holding him back and he's still getting punched and stuff like that. It helps give a little... Because it's never just the headline only. With right. these games, it's a it's a building of momentum, isn't it? And things that have happened earlier on in the game um, or just before. And so it's not just that kind of... That flick of the switch. There's a whole bunch of things that go into getting to that point. Yeah, and I'm mean, like I said, I'm not trying to defend Hathaway's actions in any way because they're in, indefensible, really. You know, it's but just the whole situation there with other other things going on, which don't reflect brilliantly on other people involved in the situation. Mm. So, I mean, it is what it is. As noted, he's he's he'll have a hearing and. We'll probably hear something more substantial from Hathaway and the Capitals after that hearing. I'm not surprised they haven't said a lot. Before he's gone through any disciplinary procedures, that's, that's pretty much par for the course, except in the most extreme of circumstances. They tend to sort of keep quiet and say their piece after a decision has been made, as we saw with with Lucic and the Flames recently when he, he sucker punched that guy. So mm. we may hear a little bit more later in the week on this. Something that um, also has been a big talking point um, over the last week, certainly for Canadian hockey fans, um, actually hockey in general, um, and getting a little bit more reaction. We talked last week on the podcast about Hockey Night in Canada. Don Cherry was fired um, over the weekend. I was one of the people who stayed up really late watching Hockey Night in Canada to see what was going to happen in that first intermission where Coach's Corner always was. Um, and in the end, what it ended up being was uh, Ron McLean on his own going solo and kind of doing this um, ramble from the heart, really. you know. And, and it sounded like behind the scenes that there were conversations where Ron was happy to apologise for his wrongdoing and not catching it out and and almost kind of endorsing it with his thumbs up at the end um, but Don Cherry didn't want to back down and didn't want to apologise for what he said so ultimately it left Sportsnet with no choice and they had to part ways um, and, it, and it, I, it got a lot of response obviously on social media from people just watching Ron McLean's kind of ramble as I kind of put it. It was very it's very much vulnerable. It didn't feel like it was scripted. It felt like it did come from the heart from me. And I try. I wanted to watch the whole thing live so that I could kind of get my feel like I could make up my own mind as opposed to reading it in the morning on lots of articles and watching just a short clip. Um, 
but yeah, it will be very interesting. It certainly sounds for him that Coach's Corner won't continue because there was quite a lot of rumours that someone like Brian Burke would step in Don Cherry's shoes. Um, but it feels like they're not going to continue Coach's Corner as it was. That that door is closed, but they haven't decided what they're going to do next. Um, I mean, we don't need to go into this in big detail. We kind of covered it. It's done now, isn't it? But I'm interested just to kind of see what your guys' reaction is um, to that. I think this has been coming for a while with, with Don Cherry. This is not the first controversial comment he's made. It's not the first time he's sailed close to the wind. I think this being the thing that tipped the scale doesn't necessarily surprise me. I I, I appreciate the point he was perhaps ultimately trying to make about, you know, supporting veterans and current service personnel. And, you know, that in itself is a very noble uh, point to take. And, and he's done it on Coach's Corner a lot. You know, he's talked about fallen fallen Canadian troops and and it's been a, a theme of Coach's Corner for a long time in that regard. But when you frame certain points of your soliloquy or, or whatever the right term is, using the brackets you people and the framing further frame of that is probably immigrants to Canada and their, you know, their families and their friends and, and all this. And this is the the, 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 the broadcast, which also has a hockey night in Punjab mm. sister program. But I'm interested in what it's... did you feel about Ron McLean's Sorry, okay. <laughs> thing on Saturday? Because I think I, I, you know, as a rule, I like Ron McLean. I think he's, Apology at the weekend was sincere. I think he, I think he's the guy who loves his job. Why, why wouldn't he? And you know, he does the hometown hockey. He fronts that, and and he's been involved with hockey night in Canada for a long, long time. You know, as long as I can remember, and way beyond that. I think he's sincere. I think he's worked with Don for so long in that capacity. Maybe it didn't click at the time quite what I'd said because he's probably heard Don go on these rants. Rants, rants, um, many times before about different things. And Ron, being professional, is is just trying to keep it to time, and to get through whatever talking points they've agreed they're going to get through. So he's going to be like, okay, and now this, okay, and now this, okay, and this, and time. And then it kind of sinks in after. And I'm not, you know, McLean probably shouldn't have missed this on the night, but having done that for years and years and years, Saturday after Saturday after Saturday. I don't know if he's going through the motions, but maybe he's automatic to go, right, this point, this point, this point, time. And I was surprised that that here? Ron McLean was on air on Saturday, to be I honest. wasn't because he came out pretty quickly the previous Sunday to apologise as well. Not on live TV, I don't think. I think he did it via either via Twitter or via statement. But more for his own mental health. You know, the first thing he said was mm. that he had collapsed several times throughout that week. And to be in that spotlight under that mm. kind of pressure and then to kind of go out and, and be really... Because Don Cherry's just disappeared out the limelight. He just faded away, you know? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> He's done... He's done his share of interviews with different outlets this week. Has he? I've I've not listened yeah, because frankly few, I not, was I was glad right. to not listen to him ever again. He, yeah, he's done. I can think of at least three or four different ones, maybe more, with different outlets. Some of it may be recycling other in, uh, other outlets' interviews to form their own stories, but you know he's not gone away as such. I, I think if, in Ron McLean's case, though, this was almost maybe the best thing he could have done because he's fronted up in front of the cameras. You know, he's not left this for a month and then tried to sort of quietly come back in. He's fronted up on the very next coach's corner. Mm. So he's, he's, you know, maybe it would have been ideal to be able to do it on the Sunday, the next night or, or whatever, but to be able to go in on the next Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, the next coach's corner, as it were. And yeah. That, he's fronted up. Yeah. And know, that, that's and, why I had to stay up and watch it live. Yeah. I and I think, it, yeah. I think what he's done is the... I think fit from his point of view, at least, that was the best course of action. Front up, be honest, which I think he was being sincere and honest in his feelings, and then move on from there. He's in a position now where he can walk away with perhaps not his head held high, but at the same time, not in disgrace, um, which is something. Yeah. And it's possible at the time he did you know, agree with what Don Cherry was saying uh, and then later regretted it. 
and then came out and apologised for it. And I think you know that's in some ways also acceptable that he's realised he made a mistake. I'm just amazed by you know the vitriol. Even when I put a tweet out at whatever time it was, half one in the morning, I had a couple of people like send me DMs, and I think a couple of people tweeted me who which were quite negative. And I was like, I'm just a girl in Manchester, UK, <laughs> right? But you can imagine if you actually have some kind of profile in Canada and you are tweeting something yeah. like that, just the vitriol that goes on, and it's a very ugly side of the sport that I really don't like. These ki- this keyboard warrior it's just crap i don't i don't like that at all it and it just it's just such an ugly side and this yeah. is the problem with the comment you know at the heart of it is it's divisive and you're going to have some yes. people who would agree with what he said or you know what we think he said uh, and other people who will disagree with it and will both have very strong views for and against and you know i've looked at you know various sort of um, online forums as well and it's you know it's got really heated and it, and it really shouldn't be mm I mean, a lot of people in Canada have grown up with Don Cherry. That's, I don't think that's insignificant in this. There's, you know, young hockey players who, and by all accounts, Don Cherry's work with, with, within junior hockey to this day has, has been extremely you know, positive on the whole. But these public comments just keep cropping up. So eventually things have boiled over and, and we are where we are. But a lot of people have, have grown up with, with Don Cherry and Coach's Corner and his Rock'em Sock'em videos and, and all this sort of stuff and this larger-than-life character. And now all of a sudden it's it's collapsed at a time when general discourse can be quite fraught. You look at sort of political discourse in the UK and in America, and I think it existed in Canada a little bit as well ahead of their election. So, you know, it's it's quite a... Well, fraught and if hockey has changed, yeah, hockey has changed, but so has culture, so has the society changed. And why he didn't just retire, God only knows, because he's like about one thousand (laughs) and fifty years old, isn't he? So now I'm so now I'm being bloody ageist. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's right. He's eighty-four, eighty-five. He's done it for a long time, and you know, maybe. It could just be something that he enjoyed doing it, and that's fine. If you're, it doesn't matter if you enjoy your job, then it doesn't matter what age you are, right? But I'd love know, to know is, what he got paid. Well, <laughs> I think it would probably be the word, but I, I think you know he 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 genuinely enjoyed doing it. I think it's just the game and society, as you put it, Claire has moved on and it's mm. moved past him. Mm. Right. Let's talk about some positive things then to to end this podcast. Um, Andy, something you've brought into the mix, you want to kind of highlight some of the best and worst limited edition jerseys, right? Oh, this could be a podcast all in itself for me. <laughs> I just I just love the um, looking at the new de- uh, designs for jerseys every time they come out. I'm not going to buy them all, obviously. <laughs> After you're very uh, wealthy to do that. But there's been some really good ones and there's been some bad ones. Um, I really like the... Uh, you don't like this one, Rob, do you? For some reason. But the, the new Stars one, The um, I think it's a... One of the classic games I got it for, like a winter classic or a heritage yeah, classic or something. Outdoor, yeah, heritage. Yeah, and it's just, it, it's just um, very simple. It's just yeah. a simple green uniform with a white star in it and the word stars, I think, on the front. So, yeah, I like that one. Um, why don't you like it? Is it just don't, don't like the stars? I do not like the way the logo is displayed on the front. It oh, does my God, like you <laughs> absolute <laughs> nerd. No, it is. That's exactly what it is. It's the way it looks like STD errors. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... It's just like let's go STDs. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just don't like the, the particular design. But I'm not big on a lot of these special edition ones. I like the Sabres one, the 50th anniversary was with, with the, all the gold on the it. Gold. Yeah, that's nice. I genuinely like that one because it's just kind of tarting up their existing mm. jersey. But I just like the the that subtle change to celebrate a significant milestone in the franchise's history. I like some of the throwback ones as well, like the um, the Calgary ones, which, you know, look, go back to you know, previous uniforms. They, they just look very, sort of, again, sort of clean and simple and have some sort of history behind them. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, a lot of them just don't land what, for me. Mm-hmm. Some of the heritage ones do, but a lot of them just don't well, The land. only jersey... Um, limited edition that I ever wanted to buy was the Toronto St. Patrick's one um, the green ones um, because they nodded to the Irish history 
and but they were just so expensive mm. unbelievable i mean i've got to be honest this is probably like kind of slightly poo-pooing your talking point andy <laughs> but i just i can't i jerseys come and go for me i know some people and i and i've chatted with people who've designed the ones for the uk league right and people go crazy for the, some of this stuff and for the limited edition they want to buy every jersey for their team i just can't be asked oh let's be honest as well they're not made for the teams or for the league or anything else they're made to sell to fans aren't they and that, that's why you have the, the limited edition ones you know which they know will be snapped off the shelves it's why with the canucks they brought back the um the black one with this the funny spaghetti skate, skate on it um, because they know they sell well, um, and people like me will buy them. But <laughs> the best, the best special edition jerseys from the NHL for me, I think, were was it twenty sixteen seventeen season the Maple Leafs and the, the white Red Wings. ones. The winter, no, no, the Winter Classic one when you had the Leafs all in blue, and the Red Wings all in red on the white ice. TV goals, perfect. We should both teams should be playing in coloured jerseys. They should make that a thing. Get rid of white jerseys. Ooh. Both teams should play in colour jerseys. But then do we go down the NFL route of the, uh, was it, colour rush monstrosities? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a way to make it yeah, work. Yeah, I sure. just, yeah. I, I think you, you, they they should get rid of the white jerseys because it's a much it's a much better experience on TV for starters. If you've got, especially like blue and red, it's perfect, a perfect example of those classic colours. And it's just so much easier to follow what's going on. It looks that much sharper. And it just has that much more synergy with the people in the stands also wearing blue or red or green or whatever their their team's colours are. It just Mm. works better for me. I I just think white jerseys should go away. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, if you were going to buy a jersey right now for the Canucks um, and I gave you an extra $100 to put someone's name and number on the back, who would you pick? Ooh, um... Because it's the 50th season, because he's been named captain this season, I'd probably go for Bo Horvat um, oh. and probably the black one. Because I'm, I'm still not a big fan of some of those green and blue ones. Um, that They released a, a third or a fourth, depending on how you see it, jersey, which is, I don't know, it just looks clumsy. It looks like a warm-up um, jersey. So, the, okay, if, you, if, you, if you're paying me for this appearance, um, I'll take the money and get a black one with um, Bo Horvat on it. Yeah, Bo Horvat is doing me very well in my fantasy <laughs> team. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, strange, isn't it? I mean, the only thing is, I just I stopped buying jerseys and stuff because I'm like, I don't know when to wear them. Yeah. Other than to bed. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> and it's a very expensive pyjama top. That's the most important thing for jerseys for me is that the best sort of jersey you can buy or best football shirt or whatever is, is the ones you wear and the ones that hang up in your wardrobe when you never put on. It's like, that's just money hanging on a shelf. Yeah. Have you got jerseys, Rob? Or are you too, you too snooty for that? <laughs> no, uh, I've got some uh, Peterborough Pirates and Peterborough Phantoms game-worn ones and a couple of replica ones, when I used to watch them a lot more often. Uh, I've got a Canada replica one. I've got a North Admiral signed jersey from the 4 5 season, I think it was. And a few of those dotted around from... Uh, be- uh, testimonial games and so forth so i've got a few plus my own old playing jerseys so what was your number when you played you were goalie Uh, weren't you i was i started with 33 and wore that up until i moved and played for milton Keynes when i switched to 35 hence my twitter tag rob mcgregor 35 and why number 35 because that's what they gave me (laughs) (laughs) that's a boring story isn't it 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 is well i signed as their third goalie it happened one of the other guys got injured so i did play a little bit happily in the end um but yeah, when I went back to the second season, I got my old shirt back, old number back, and I guess I've stuck with it since then. It became mine. <laughs> yeah. Talking of um, GB hockey happening in UK, this is something that you um, pointed out to me, Robert. It slipped past me, but G- Team GB are going to play Team Canada in this international game um, in Nottingham in May. Mm. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, it's uh, a pre-World Championship. It's a warm-up game, I guess, for both teams ahead of the, the World Championships in Switzerland. I think they're both scheduled to fly about three days after this game in Nottingham takes place. So that's that's how close it is to the tournament itself. Yeah, very exciting. They'll obviously play each other again in, in the group stage. But I think for, for GB, they, they saw the benefit of the warm-up games last year. They played 
a couple of KHL sides, uh, Italy, did they play Hungary as well, or was it Poland, one or the other, uh, and then they played Slovakia in Slovakia before the tournament started. I think they, they saw the benefit there. So I think, again, playing Canada uh, on home ice is, is just a great opportunity to bring a, a world-class team you know, to the UK, but it also means they'll have a chance to really get up to speed before the World Championships because it's going to be tough for them to stay up again. I think they know that and they, they want that opportunity to try and get their legs going before they land in, in Lausanne. Um, but we've also got the, the pre-Olympic qualifiers in Nottingham at the start of February as well, so quite a busy busy 2020 for the, the British national team. Mm. And actually, uh, myself, Jolon and Matt, the Dallas fan, uh, we're all going to the World Champs in nice. Switzerland. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to do some of the podcast um, middle of May from there. I'm not quite sure how I've signed up to sleep in a room with three <laughs> other boys potentially for four days, but that will be fun, won't it? Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's good to be. It's it's nice to see that um, Team GB. More people are starting to go. Oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds good. And we're getting more of these these appointments. I mean, the one thing I haven't been paying attention to is how Liam Kirk is getting on. Actually, he's doing pretty well. Uh, I think he was the second or third top point scorer for the Peets, but they're they're doing well as a team. I know Mark. Uh, Radcliffe is our go-to guy, I think, for for Kirkwatch, really, uh, as far as previous guests go. But I think Liam's had a pretty good year, all in all, for the Peets. Uh, he's not going to play for GB Under Twenties at the the World Junior uh, Division Two A tournament, which I think is probably understandable with the, the Peets playing well. And you know, he needs to have a good year to to convince Arizona to to sign him to some sort of contract. And he may also want to ask for a little bit of time off perhaps to go and join the GB senior side for either the Olympic qualifiers or the world championships, depending on how the peak season's gone and whether in the playoffs and stuff. So he's doing well though. He's, he's having a good year. Uh, the Peter repeats in the IHL and hopefully it can lead to better things for him. Mm. Such an interesting story, isn't it? And, and must hopefully be really inspiring for other you know, are the young kids coming through the junior hockey ranks in this in this country? I hope so. Uh, I hope so because because he's entirely British trained up until the age of eighteen. Then then obviously he's gone over to, to the got drafted into the the NHL and gone to join the Peter Peets in the OHL. But yeah, up until then he it was all it was all in in GB, and which is you know a real testament to the work that that people with. No, I did with him in, in Sheffield. I think the opportunities he had, and that's that's a key point. I think um, you know Paul Thompson's time in Sheffield yielded some success and, and some trophies. It also ended maybe a little bit unceremoniously. But one thing Paul did do was was give Liam some opportunities to play with the Steelers in the Elite League. Same for for Cole Shudra, uh, you know, and he engineered a move for for Shudra out to to Milton Keynes Lightning when they were still in the Elite League to get further experience at the top level so you know Tomo did some good things with with those two young guys and, and it looked like he might have the opportunity to do the same with with young Kieran Brown but uh, Paul Parter company with the, the Steelers last season so whether another club can can give people similar opportunities that that Sheffield afforded Liam Kirk you would like to think so whether it actually happens well that maybe a different reality <laughs> it could be a different podcast couldn't it but whether yeah. they need more people to think like that like paul thompson did to really want to see these young kids develop and not just keep going for the safe pair of hands and the safe bets of bringing over another import from mm. america and canada instead developing and looking at that and sometimes it doesn't always mean wins and points but it means long term more of these stories like liam kirk um, but when it's a business and it's what is a minority sport, bums on seats matter, which means you need to get wins and points. So, And so the circle continues. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's been really, um, really great to talk to you. Some, like I say, some interesting talking points. Thanks for both your perspective. And it was really good to have you, Andy, on because there was so much going on in the West. Yeah. Who knew that? The Wild West, it really is. It's just a, yeah, a mess, isn't it? It's, <laughs> n nobody's in the right place. Everybody's swirling around the place. Who knows how it's going to end up? Yeah, and Rob, you got to come on whilst uh, the Islanders are doing pretty damn good. So that's always good for smug points, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see. Really. They, they were 0-3-1, I think, for their first four, and then they won 10 straight. Uh, the Penguins beat them in 
it goes over time, but they've managed to string together a 14 game point streak, as I remember mentioned earlier. So they're flying high. I think people wondered if they might regress this year, but you know, they're doing a hell of a job as a, as a team, as a unit. And that's even with a few injuries along the way as well. So mm. fingers crossed for the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking with Rangers. We're going to do that this week, but we're doing it next mm. week instead. <laughs> yeah. And we're also talking uh, Coyotes and Ottawa Senators with James again as well, seeing what's happening there um, from the... Well, you'd expect both of them further down the bottom, but obviously that's not quite going to plan. Um, if you've got any thoughts of the things we've been talking about, you can drop us an email, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at NHLFansFromAfar and you can also drop an email to join our Slack group. Have a great week, enjoy your hockey and uh, may the best player win. Punch. <laughs> I never know how to end this podcast. I'm just going to say bye. Don't spit. <laughs> <laughs>